As we kick off the year, if you're like me, you've probably spent some time thinking about your goals, thinking about the things you want to accomplish, and all that good stuff. But what about your team, right? What about their goals and what they want to accomplish? How are we thinking about how to put the right people on the right seat of the bus and enable them with all the things that they need? I don't think we're having that conversation enough, and that's why I had Vivek V. Shakraborty come back after his awesome, awesome episode of 203 Building a Wartime Strategy for 2023 to talk about exactly that. What are the conditions that you need to create to set your team up for success going into 2023, where we all know it's going to be a uniquely difficult year heading into a recession? So I hope you really enjoyed this thing. We uh, really got into how people align themselves with their purpose, how to make sure that you are giving them free will and how they can you know, manage themselves and enabling them with that stuff. And particularly at the end, he talks about this like quadrant that I think was really, really interesting of how to do that. So hope you really enjoy this. We did this the way that I build my community and the way that I evangelize this thing, this whole internet talk show where we do it live. Um, this was the last one of the year. So look out for the next one coming up. It's going to be in January. We're going to kick this thing back off in a couple of weeks here. But uh, in the meantime, connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you want to learn how to build one of these of your own, one of these internet talk shows of your own, go to bethestage.live slash bootcamp. You can sign up for the next one. It's probably going to start end of February, but you can get in for special pricing right now. And for now, enjoy the return of V. Vivek Chakraborty. If you know how it is, then you know how it might be. But think what it would look like if you grow your own community. It ain't easy. That's why you're listening to hear experiences from others just like you and me. Welcome to the B2B Community Builder Podcast, a show that was started because if you can unlock the power of having a community around your business, then you will create a source of referrals, validation, marketing content, and product feedback that will be unbeatable. But who has time to think about building a community when you need to be making sure that your team has what it needs to succeed in serving clients and bringing in revenue? That is why we'll be talking to business leaders like you and I that have cracked the code on why the community play is so valuable, how to implement tactics that got them there while still serving short-term goals, and what they can teach you that they have mastered. This show is for you if you are a CEO, CMO, or simply a rainmaker that has realized that without a community, you are just a commodity, but haven't figured out how to add it to your infinite list of priorities. This show is for you if you are a community professional or trying to be a community professional that is trying to convince leadership about the need to invest in a community strategy. This show is not for you if you think transactions are more valuable than relationships. I am your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez, co-founder of BeTheStage.Live, a marketing company that specializes in relationship-driven growth. I invented the relationship flywheel and hopefully... I'm your new best friend. So smash that subscribe button, leave a rating when you do, and get ready to plug into the power of community creation for business development. Let's go. We are officially live on Facebook for the B2B Community Builder Show. I am your chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez. This is episode 206. And you don't know this, but this is the last 
of this show of its kind. We're rebranding for season six. It's going to be a slightly different positioning. We're going to shut it down for the rest of the year. So this is the last live show of the year. And because it's the live show, last live show of the year, we had to uh, make it a special one. We had to bring back somebody who last time he was on here absolutely crushed it, was requested by everybody. The conversation was so natural that it led to another conversation. We were just talking about making a, a wartime strategy for your business, but we didn't get into how you set people up to succeed during these difficult times that are coming up in 2023. And for that reason, it was a no-brainer to bring him back to the show on top of all the outpouring of requests. We got Vivek Chakraborty. V is back to talk to us about setting people up to succeed. V, you want to you wanna say hi to everybody as, as we're kicking off here? Hi, everyone. Great to be back. Thank you for all the outpouring of requests and quite an honor to close out the season. And that's quite a way to go. So hopefully, as part of the rebranding, I can be on the next season too. But you know, we can talk about that based on how we do today. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely talk about that. I'll put in a good word for to the boss out here. But nice. uh, right, <laughs> right now, I want to I want to welcome the community. We got Stacy Dovis in the house. She says, "Sounds good." I walked into talking about tacos. You're right, Stacy. We're always full of surprises here. We got Nikita Brower making s'mores for Christmas. We got Mike O'Neill. Cooking up some caramel corn with pecan. <laughs> I like this. I like I like starting off this with. We got Pratiti's back in the house. She says it's good to see you, see you again, V. And we got Roanne already welcoming everybody. This is an interactive show. Feel free to use the chat to make a friend or use the Q&A function to ask something if you want to be part of this conversation. And at the end of the show, we roll right into relationship-driven growth strategy sessions where it's just an open Q&A. V actually made time for it this time. So he's sticking around even beyond the last time that he did it. We're just going to have a nice interactive convo right around 5.30 Eastern. But let's kick it off with how we normally start, V. We, you know, we ended last last call, last show. Oh, I forgot to say, Kavi Group is mm-hmm. the, the founder of the Kavi Group, right? Like all your, all your strategic business needs, right? Fortune 500 consulting to Main Street business. I think you're doing a great job over there. Connect with him on LinkedIn. But we ended last show with a really great framework of business planning and strategy for 2023. And we decided that what we really needed next is what are the frameworks to set your team up to succeed? In your words, why is it, why is it important to also not just worry about the company strategy, but to also worry about the individual in this like wartime of business that we're going into uniquely in 2023. Yeah, thanks. That's a great frame, right? So where we left off last time, we talked about the scarcity mindset and the abundant mindset. And the whole idea of having a wartime strategy was to create this abundant mindset. So for the audience that wasn't there last time and, and is picking up here, just to give you a little bridge, Scarcity mindset is where you're looking at things from a zero-sum game, right? It's either I win or someone else wins, and that means I lose. You follow a herd mentality. Everybody's trying to conform, be uniform, try to benchmark. You don't want to stand out because you don't want to be isolated. There's risk aversion. Don't take risks. Think small, narrow, You know, stay focused, and, and don't take any risk whatsoever. And then you kind of lose your identity as a result, where you're driving your own self-worth or perception of sense from what others are doing. Oh, they got a raise. Why didn't I get a raise? They got a good performance rating. That just means I'm not so good. And you allow others to dictate that. That's a scarcity mindset. And what we said the strategy allows you to do as a business is become abundant in your way of thinking, which was 
innovate. When everybody is going uniform and conformity, you're setting yourself apart. We talked about taking calculated risks. So it doesn't mean going small. It means choosing what you're going to invest in and choosing what you're going to divest. Getting rid of stuff is just as powerful as keeping specific things. And with limited resources, you want to strategically, intelligently divest. And then the last one is be clear on your identity, who you are, what you believe in. And that was part of what we talked about. Where that left the audience was, that's great for the business. But what if I personally, as the owner of a company, and and I am the CEO of Covey Group, if I am personally in a scarcity mindset, what good is a strategy for my company? How can I have an abundant company mindset if I personally have a scarcity mindset? And this is what you're seeing in a lot of companies right now. If you're looking at the news, people are scared about layoffs. They're scared about their job. They're scared about this and that. And so the idea was, how do you create balance on a personal level for you and your team so that you all can have an abundant mindset as a company? As you talk about this, V, it reminds me of Stephen Kotler's book, Art of the Impossible, when he's talking Mm -hmm. about how flow state is, you know, how you kind of get into flow state and it's to enable creativity and set people up in these like comfortable environments. If, I, if I'm thinking on a, on a business system wide level and what I need is a team that's going to be agile, it's going to be clear minded in being able to stick to the things that we know to be true to us and that differentiate us as opposed to following the herd mentality, as opposed to letting that lizard brain kick in and mm-hmm. doing the the natural human thing, right? We've evolved to like follow the herd because if a cave, if 20 cavemen were running, you're better off running than wondering what if it's a saber-tooth tiger or not, right? Correct. So so if we, if what we're trying to get people is into this like state of flow state of opportunistic creativity and calm in order to execute their their jobs the best when it matters the most, right? When the most is at stake mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. when it's going to get tough, this idea of preserving the abundance mindset fits right into that, right? Like I yeah. love how you explained it. Yeah. And, and so this is where I would ask you a question and I would actually ask the audience that's in there that's listening to this. And I would say, great, there's no one I know that would pick scarcity mindset. They would say, yeah, of course, I want the abundant mindset. So you know what it is you want. So here's my question. How do you go about getting that? So saying it's easy, saying you should go and innovate, great. Okay, how? Go ahead and take calculated risks. Yes, I should. Okay, how? That's what I'd like to share with the audience today. So at Covey Group and me personally, we use a set of four tools or way of thinking. That's the how. And that's what I'd like to share with your audience today is is getting away from what you need to do to the how that enables you to then, it's a set of tools, right? And you use the tool to your benefit to allow you to create that abundant mindset. Love that. Love that, man. You know, the other, the other, I can't wait to get into this because this reminds me of when we had Megan Bowen from Refine Labs on talking about creating a talent destination. And she gave this like recipe for a talent destination. And one of them was create a psychological safe space, right? Which is kind mm-hmm. of what I think we're going to, right? Like we're, 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 we're moving into the how of how to get people to feel safe, to be able to operate 
or and and feel fulfilled in a time of need. I challenge the audience for you know you challenge the audience actually. You know, <laughs> I did. Stu- <laughs> we student we of the game over here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I I chimed in in the chat of what I think of what I think is needed. Pratiti already has a, an answer by being grateful for what you already have is what creates the abundance mindset. That's a good answer. We'll love other answers. V, why don't you take it away, man? What's what's the yeah. first in the how of how to institutionalize this thing? Okay. So let's start with the first the first tool, if you will. And it's it's more of a philosophical tool. We at Kobe Group and me personally use a Japanese philosophy called Ikigai. And I don't know if people are familiar with it, but some are, some have never heard of it before. I stumbled upon this as I was doing my own soul searching once upon a time in my career. How do I frame whether I'm making appropriate decisions for myself, for my family, in my career choices. And I stumbled upon ikigai. Ikigai is a Japanese word. It's a phrase. It actually is made up of iki and gai. Iki means life. Gai is worth or value. So the concept is it's your reason for being. It's the very essence of who you are and what you do. And ikigai is made up of four elements. First one, what you love. Second one, what the world needs. Third, what you can be paid for. And fourth, what you are good at. If you can find the intersection of those four, you found your ikigai. That's the concept. So that's the first tool that I would say starts to create a balanced view. Okay. Yep. There's the diagram. That's absolutely perfect. So It doesn't talk about how much I make. It doesn't talk about how many clients I have. It doesn't talk about how many people work in my company or how big my company is. It goes to the very core of you as an individual. Are you passionate about what you do? What do you love? Does the world actually need that? Can you get paid for it? And then are you actually good at it? And when you find those four, you found your purpose. I love this concept, V. I did some research on it after you talked to me about it. And the first time it was, it was brought up to me, like 2018 was the first time anybody put it on my radar. Right. So I've, I've, it's, it's been around me because I think, I think it, it echoes around a lot of the stuff that we talk about here as well. You know, what I struggle with, with that is you're asking the, what you love question, what the world needs, what you can be paid for and what you're good at and looking for that intersection. And I get that from a personal standpoint, right? Like I get Mm -hmm. like asking myself that stuff. I've been through that exercise. How do you, when you lean into it as a tool, as a leader of the Covey group, how are you, how are you leaning into it with your people? Like, is this, are you having workshops around this thing? Are these conversations you bring up? Tell me a little bit how you. Yeah. So we, we actually do, we actually do workshops about them. So we took that concept of Ikigai and we married it with a new book that's come out by Marcus Buckingham, Love and Work, and the concept of a red thread, right? In it, Sewing in your passions and your red threads into your work. And so we've combined the two. And at Covey Group, we start to discover each other's red threads. And then we try to apply how we do our day-to-day job using the red thread. And the idea is, you're not going to have 100% of what you do be your love. But if you can find 20% in the day or 20% in your job or 25%, it keeps you engaged, right? So that's the idea. So you start to find your red thread. And there are so many people I know who wake up in the morning and they're miserable about the job they're about to do. 
they just they, they dread the, the commute into work. They dread the eight hours they're going to spend at work. And so all they're focused on in that diagram is what you can get paid for. Yeah. You may or may not even be good at it. That is solely the one bubble. Well, that's not your ikigai, right? Yes, the world needs it, which is why your employer employed you and you're getting paid for it. That's not a purposeful living and you cannot achieve balance that way. So that's the first element that we pull in, right? Can you give me an example of a red thread? Like what's your red thread? How do you, or, or, or maybe somebody on your team's red thread yeah. that, you, that you've sure. identified. Yeah. So I'll give, you, I'll give you mine because we yeah. did this exercise. I love, like it is a passion of mine to enable people to succeed. So I am the in-house, if you will, yogi at Covey Group, where I will sit down and I'll talk to people and I'll try to, I'll, I'll, I actually do exactly what I'm doing with the audience today and with you talking about this. Mm-hmm. That's mine. I'm, I'm more like chief motivation officer as opposed to chief executive officer. That really gets me going. So folks on my team will tell you, I know exactly what makes them tick. I know exactly how they get motivated. I know exactly where they're going to find their ikigai, right? Mm -hmm. Because we actually talk about this. And therefore, I'm able to get them to do even beyond their own limit, like what they feel, because I can see a potential. They may not see that potential. And so me as the chief yogi, I can be like, hey, have you looked at it this way? Have you looked at it that way? Because I understand the prism from which they see things. And I can unleash that. We have some folks who are just natural problem solvers. They're mm-hmm. like they're like natural Sherlock Holmes, if you will. They can really get to the root cause. They can solve a problem. So the question is, why give them transactional work where they're not using that red thread instead of giving them the problems to solve? There are others on our team who are process-driven. They love process. Put them on a complex project where they can simplify processes. It really gives them that freedom to apply what they are good at. So we apply red threads in the right way to completely maximize people's potential. So that those are just a few examples, but we do this day in and day out as that, a practice. Man. I love that. I love that. It takes me back to kind of when I started my business, when I heard this idea of if you're going to start a business based on anything other than the thing that you love to do, that you think you're great at being what moves the business and that being your job inside the business, go do something else. And it just made a lot of sense for me, right? For me, my red thread is I I generally fall in love with everybody I meet and because I see something special in them and that's like my superpower and I'm a great communicator, right? So I'm a great kind of like you, not so much a yogi, but like a total hype man, right? Like I love kind of like telling you why you're so awesome and like helping you see see people like that, see yourself like that. And within that comes a lot of creativity and ideation. But then I think about Gina, our, our, our COO, and she's what you said. She's a problem solver. She loves to make order out of chaos. She likes to build processes and know that things are going to be able to be repeatable and mm-hmm. and and things of that sort. If you put her in an ideation meeting about like, well, we could do this or do this or do this. She's miserable, even though she is, you know, she's an executive. So she's at that, yes. at that level. But like, I know that if I'm, if I'm thinking out loud in front of her, that just makes her upset because <laughs> she's already <laughs> trying to solve for everything. So we try to, we try to like put her in the, in the conversation of, okay, we've already dispelled these things. Let's get you in the conversation of how we execute these things as opposed to how exactly. we come up. There's some, there's some great comments. I think Beth yeah. just posted, if, if you lose track of time, right? 
doing something, you look up and it's six, seven hours have passed and you didn't even realize that you found a red thread. That's a good indicator of a red thread. And if you do something for eight hours and you look up and you're looking at the clock every five minutes, which most people do at work sometimes, they're looking there, yeah, you know you're not using any red threads, right? That's a good sign that you need to move into the, the second tool in the arsenal. So today I'm going to give you four very specific things. The first one is Ikigai. Mm-hmm. And just Ikigai, you could spend a lot of time, but let's let's talk about the second one. Sure. The second one we call free will, right? Everybody's like, yeah, duh, I know what free will is. But I'm going to give you one of my favorite prayers. I was raised Catholic, okay? And for some of you, you know this. If you're Catholic, you definitely know this. It's the serenity prayer, right? Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Love this prayer. Never actually understood it because you have to ask the question, what do you have the control to change? What can't you change that you're just supposed to accept? And how wise are you to know the difference? Where do you draw that line? Who's telling you that? And to me, that's the very nature of free will because I think there's only four things you can control, period. There's only four things. And those of you that are practicing yoga and yogis, if you follow Sadhguru, for example, He talks about this a lot, and I fully agree with him. The four things you control, your thoughts, your emotions, your energy, and your actions. That's it. Everything outside of that, someone has an influence over you do not control. Okay? So now, why is this important? You're sitting at your job for eight hours a day. You're not in your ikigai, and you're miserable. That's an emotion. Your energy is completely depleted and you're blaming your boss, right? You're blaming your boss. And and the point of the second tool is to stop, look in the mirror and accept that it is all of your creation. Okay. Okay. This is a very tough tool, but you basically stop and say, I chose to work here. I chose to do these activities. No one is forcing me. I can choose to leave just as easily as I'm there. I am choosing the emotion that I'm having right now. I am choosing my energy level. Those are all choices. And those are choices you're making. And so when people say, he made me angry, that's not true. You got angry. You're just associating it with somebody else. You're associating blame. If you have poor results, right? Oh, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. No, no, it's okay. You had no control over the outcome anyways. There were so many variables. Did you do the right actions, the right thoughts, the right emotions, and the right energy? That's what you control. And so this is, to me, the hardest of the four tools that we're going to talk about, Mm -hmm. because this is at the very crux of why people are unbalanced. Yeah, man. I have a hard time accepting this, to be perfectly honest with you, right? So like thoughts, energy, feelings, and actions. What about the fact that I'm at my parents' house and they have the world's most uncomfortable bed? I slept terrible last night and my energy is low right now. How how do you reframe that for me? You chose to sleep in that bed. That was a choice. Yeah. That was that was 100% your choice. No one forced you to sleep in that bed. So at one point you could have, you probably were like, "Oh my god, this is going to hurt in the morning." At that point you have a choice, right? And yeah. this is where this tool comes into place is it, it makes you fully accountable 
fully accountable. There is no excuse allowed if you use this tool where you can say, they made me do it. It may not be comfortable, but it's a choice. Got it. Got it. So it's internalizing accountability. I could have been like, that's enough. I'm going to go get a hotel and I'm going to explain it to my parents in the morning if I really wanted to. What is the shift that's supposed to happen? Right. Like if I, if I, if I tell myself that, am I supposed to just immediately be like, well, now I don't feel sleepy anymore? Or what, what's the, is it a compounding effect of telling yourself that? Or in the moment, does that make a difference? I think it's the acknowledgement of it in the moment right? You may not be able to affect it right away. So for example, you know, the reality is you have a, like in my case, I have a family to take care of. So I can't just walk, wake up one day and go, I'm just going to make a decision. I have to then use my thoughts and my energies and my emotions in the right way. But the acknowledgement allows me to start making different decisions. I can now choose and go back to that abundant mindset, calculated risks, right? If I'm miserable in my job and I look at my skill set and I say, you know what, I need to upgrade my skill set so that I am able to make a switch from my current location, you are now taking back control. You're going to put aside three or four hours a day to practice that skill set, to advance yourself. So you're not, you're no longer accepting as someone else made me do it you are now taking back control because those are the four things you control. Got it. Got it. Okay. So then if I'm, if I'm stuck in a rut at work, I'm pissed off at a coworker, then it's not, this person is doing it to me. They put me in this job. It's okay. Well, this is the reality. I have a choice to either have a conversation with this person and get that going. I have a choice to go look for another job. I have a choice to call in sick today and come in in the morning and therefore, you don't feel trapped and you don't feel scarcity. Correct. And and if you tie this to the Ikigai, everybody has red threads. So now you look for in that moment of misery, what is the red thread that you actually control? If I'm in that conversation and I'm telling myself, well, I'm upset with my coworker, what I can then go back to my red thread and say, okay, well, I have a choice here. I can use my superpower of telling my coworker the thing that I think he's really, really good at and kind of like putting him into that zone so that he changes his performance a little bit better or her performance a little bit better. And therefore that's going to make my day better because now I'm not like feeling like I'm stuck working with somebody that isn't doing their job. Is that right. kind of? Yeah, it's, it's what can you control? You're right. You can yeah. control your thoughts. You can yeah. control your energy towards that person. You can be more upbeat. You can choose your words, make it complimentary. That person may never change, but you are doing everything in your control within the four elements to make that happen. Got it. I apologize for any kind of like bad internet, but it's my choice to be at my parents' house for Christmas. So, <laughs> you know, so, so if you were then, okay, so in Ikigai, you have mm-hmm. purposeful conversations with your with your team proactively to identify the red thread. Is this a tool that you now implement during tough conversations? Is this a proactive tool, a reactive tool, or both? Yeah. So I, there, all of these are proactive and reactive. If you find yourself in a situation where things are not balanced for you, something is off, right? These are two tools. And both of the ones I talked about, Ikigai and free will, they allow you to stop and acknowledge the current state. 
acknowledge, understand what in the current state is not working for you, right? And then go from there. So at Covey Group, we've taken free will and we've created our own concept of it. So personal development in most companies is a rubric, right? They tell you, this is where you are today. In order to go to the next level, do these things, check these boxes in the next level, you'll get promoted. And so promotions are based on a very clear path. We don't have any such thing as Covey Group. Actually, our personal growth is called choose your own adventure. And it is that exact concept of where do you want to go based on your red threads and your ikigai? And how can you convert that into contributions to the company? It is your free will. We're not forcing you to take a course. We're not forcing you. Yes, you become a consultant. So there's some expectations with excellence and customer interactions and you know that thing. But on a day-to-day basis, when you wake up in the morning, the choices you're making have to be truly your choice. If you're going to read a book, understand why you're reading that book. If you're going to take an action, understand how that action helps you and the company, right? It's, it's, it's coming from within. So Ikigai and free will are both introspective. They are internal looking and you're looking for the source of what you do and what you choose because it's coming from within. If I don't have a CMO, a chief motivation officer inside my company like yourself, who carries this, right? Like, is this is this in HR? Is this in the, is this something that you, the CEO needs to just be very deliberate about, about teaching their department heads so that we are using these tools regularly? Let me answer it in a true Vivek fashion. And those of you that know me know that I don't sugarcoat stuff. If you have to have a position of chief motivation officer, you already have a problem. And the problem probably has to do with how you've set up your organization, right? So it takes us directly to tool number three, which is, we call it no hierarchy. So every company has a structure that is meant to organize your activity. That makes total sense, right? You've got departments, you've got competencies. It makes sense to structure around whatever organizational structure makes sense for you. But then the hierarchy sets in. And with hierarchy comes a set set of rules. And with a set of rules over time, you convert what should be a peer-to-peer respect-based organization into, into deference. Salute me because I am a manager. Do this because I'm a director. And over time, you lose this sense of peer-to-peer mutual responsibility, mutual accountability, and it's replaced with a authoritative type of structure. And then you wake up one day and you're like, oh, no one is motivated. I am going to create a new role in my organization called chief motivator, and magically everybody becomes motivated now. That's the problem. So what we do is we've embedded it into our culture. It's actually one of our core values, accountability, individual accountability, excellence, freedom. Those are three of the five core values of Covey Group. We actually don't have titles. There are no titles. There's no promotions. There's no management levels. Everybody is the same, including me. So even though I have the official CEO title because I have to sign documents, in a day-to-day working frame, I am just as much as a worker bee as anybody else on the team. So I'm on projects taking notes. I am doing consulting projects. So there's no hierarchy from that regard. 
there are projects when I am the project lead, and there are other projects where I am working with another project lead and following the rest of the team. So that's how we've implemented it, which is why I'm a chief yogi. I don't have to motivate people day to day. That's coming from within because they're using free will. Oof, that was a golden nugget right there. I'm going to have my team clip that and paste that across all my social media channels. So if you could just give this a pause right now, go into the show notes and connect with me on whatever platform you like to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever you want to be a part of my life in connect with me there. I'm going to share that clip and you can share it with your friends so that they get the same lesson. It'll be adding value to their life. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Hit five-star review, right? You don't have to leave a review. You just got to hit five stars. If you want to leave a review, cool. And maybe send the episode to your friend. That would be awesome. That's it. I'm done. Back to the show. It makes perfect sense to me as a small business operator. I got a team of nine. We're building an agile machine. I think it's the future business model. But Mm -hmm. if I think about like, you know, my wife works at an architecture firm, a design build engineering firm that has architecture, construction, and engineering all in one roof. And it has thousands of employees. And I wonder, I wonder how that manages differently. Like I know that you consult with Fortune 500 companies also, and you help smaller guys. Is there Mm -hmm. like a size of organization where this thing needs more guardrails at a certain point or, or can this thing be applied all throughout? It can be applied all throughout, but the problem with scale, when you get to scale, is you start automating things and things get taken for granted. So for example, I know in large corporations, HR and recruiting function with headhunters and the whole recruiting process, you as a hiring manager may be a small part of that. You as a team member have no control who's going to come and sit next to you on a day-to-day basis. And your performance is tied directly to that empty seat that's going to be filled. Yet you have no direct control on who's going to sit in that seat, right? Mm -hmm. So over time, you've got these systems that start to just churn on their own. Mm -hmm. And you now have to put a lot of controls because the trust is not automatic, right? And so I'll ask you the question this way. If you have purpose, ikigai, and you have free will, then what reason is there for a rigid control-based system full of rules? You know, my head goes to calming anxieties of the masses, right? Like the idea of knowing when my next promotion would be or what I need to do to make more money would be something that I would see some value in after a certain level of me not being able to just talk to everybody directly. Fantastic. Thank you for that, Pablo. That's a great point. And that's where everybody goes. That takes me directly to the fourth tool I'm going to talk about. Incentivize. Okay. So if you think tool number one, Ikigai, tool number two, free will, tool number three, no hierarchy. So eliminating the pressures from a rule-based system. Rule four is incentivize employees on outcomes. What you just talked about, promotions, bonuses, rewards. I can tell you right now, most people, most people in large corporations cannot tell you exactly how their efforts, right, tie to the bonuses they're going to receive. Or they cannot tell you how their bonus ties to the overall performance of the company. 
There is no link. There is no link whatsoever. And so in the absence of that, your incentives are to chase certain things that have been made arbitrary. Oh, you got to get a promotion because that's the only way you're going to get money. Well, how, am I growing? Am I really growing? Am I growing according to my ikigai? doesn't matter. We're telling you that in order to make more money, go after this. And here's the rubric you have to follow. Now I don't even have free will anymore. So look at, if you, if you took a piece of paper, just do a four quadrants. On the top right, if you write down ikigai, the bottom right, you write down free will. The bottom left, write down no hierarchy. And the top left, write down incentivize. On the right-hand side of that is all introspective stuff that comes from within. On the left-hand stuff is all the control systems in place in your employer that drive your behaviors. And those are two mirrors. And if your introspection doesn't align with the left-hand side, you're not going to be balanced. Okay. All right. So first of all, I'm shocked with how good you are at transitioning things from topic to topic so seamlessly. Like I feel like I'm in, I feel like I'm in one of those like tabletop magic shows and you're like making me pick the card on purpose that you already planted. It's really impressive. But to the topic end. So then we're looking at when you put when you paint the four things, right? Ikigai, free will, no hierarchy, and the right incentivization, then the strategy becomes incentivization strategy across the organization. Is that is that what guides the success here? It will no, if you so, get those so, right? No, in a way, in a way, not not outright, not outright. Yeah. It it forces you. So take so separate from the organization for a second, because okay. we're talking about the individual here. So we're yeah. trying to get individual balance mm-hmm. and team balance tied to our strategy. So yes, there's a connecting point between the two. But if I take this as an individual, now, if I, I have, have, if I'm unmotivated in my current role, mm-hmm. I have four places I can look at according to what I've shared with you today. Mm-hmm. I can say, is it, am I just chasing incentives that have no bearing on my ikigai? Am I in a system, rule-based system, hierarchy that doesn't match my concept of free will, right? You can go across this grid and you have a place to start acknowledging and root cause diagnosis. You can say, hey, then you apply that to your team. Okay. Is my team dysfunctional? Got it. Why is my team dysfunctional? Do we have people here who are, this has nothing to do with their ikigai. So imagine if you're in a, like Covey Group, we're a small company with 20 people. We're all management consultants. We're all focused on crisis management, business continuity, risk. Someone shows up and their ikigai is to do something totally different. They don't share anybody's passion. This is just a job, nine to five for a paycheck they will stand out on day one. They will stick out, right? Mm -hmm. And if they exist in that company for a long time, it wears on the culture. So as a team now, not as one person, not as the CEO, as a team, there's an individual, there's a, a shared accountability to say, is this acceptable or is this not? Got it, got it. So these four navigational coordinates now become the framework for understanding where you are, right? Like it is, they're wayfinding points, right? Yeah. And as a singular individual, I can take this and be like, well, if I'm unsatisfied right now, I can plot myself on this graph and see 
you know, where, you know, where this graph is in relation to like how I like to operate in the world and then find that gap and navigate towards it as mm-hmm. a team lead or as an executive, I can, I can be like, well, culture sucks in my organization or culture is good in my organization. And then be take like a self-assessment tool of what does it, what does my structure of my organization and incentivizations and my culture look like based on these four wayfinding points yep. and depending where they are, then I can find that gap. So yep. if what I'm, what I'm finding is people are incentivized by money and maybe there isn't a lot of hierarchy, but there is a decent amount of free will, but not a lot of guy. Now I'm looking at, okay, well, what I really need to do is align people's red threads with what they're being incentivized and move it in that direction. I don't know if I, I don't know if I said yeah. that right. Or, if yeah. if you're if you're the executive or you're the team yeah. lead or you're the project lead, that's how you're looking at this, right? You're looking yeah. at this and looking at symptoms. If you're starting to see scarcity mindsets taking hold, people are more suspicious, lack of trust. There's wall building going on, right? Like I I, I less sharing, you know? Um you as a team lead can start looking at these four and going, where am I missing? What What's causing this? Individually, if you're feeling this, you can look at this the same way, introspection and say, okay, yeah. is it is it me? Am I is my am am I no longer in my hikigai from a profession perspective? Yeah. Or personally, personally, have I given away some of the four things I control? Okay. That's and and this is all the time. So I actually apply this all the time. This is a 24-7 thing. This is not New Year's resolution. Okay, I wake up on Jan 1, I'm miserable. My New Year's resolution will be to discover my Ikigai. This is a 24-7 practice because the more you practice, the more natural it becomes. And you get to a point where you stop. You, it is, it's almost second nature. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. Why do I need to do that? That that goes against my core values, my ikigai. Someone's asking me to feel a certain way. I don't feel that way. And I want to choose to feel a different way, right? Now you start making different choices. The moment you start making different choices, the system you exist in, it becomes stark, very clear for you. Do I belong in this system or should I take another path? And there is free will of understanding the system. If it's the system that you want to change or it's a system that you want to leave and having that clarity creates that. Beth Hinchy says in here, it takes time to figure this out. It's not a single day exercise. It's kind of what you were alluding to, right? Like your own Ikigai, your own kind of like propensities for this type of stuff. Is this, are are these workshops that you guys at Covey Group host host for your clients or is this all internal stuff? We do this internally. I I do this for friends. Is like man, I'm I'm just thinking. This so I've is... actually coached. I've actually coached some of our clients, yeah. some of my clients who are now friends. You know, and and to me, to me, this. So there's. I'll give you a, a very very clear example, Pablo, of how no hierarchy, the whole rule based system has changed or created a way of thinking that is counter to almost any professional's lifestyle. The concept of work-life balance is absolute horse, you know what? It is nonsensical. You just have life, okay? 24 hours a day, that's what we all have, 24 hours a day. You choose 
how much of that 24 hours you devote to work, but it is not a separate thing. And the, the notion, the notion that companies and an entire industry has come up with, you got to have work, life balance. What they're telling you is we're going to create a system where you are going to not have control for this portion called work. We'll give you the illusion of control by telling you, here's how you get rewarded. Here's how you get motivated. Here's how you get promoted. And then you get to go to your life and we'll come up with some sort of balance. Mm. By definition, that is imbalance. By definition, you have no balance. And so this, what I've given you today, allows you to step back and go, wait a minute. In my concept of life balance and a strategy, right? How do I, how do I fit my current state? I want to be promoted. Great. Why? Am I chasing an incentive? Is it because of the money? Or do I truly feel passionate about that role? Am I just doing things to get that promotion? Well, how much of my free will have I given up for that? And that's where these four quadrants come into play. By the way, just so your audience knows that I don't, I don't just make this stuff up. This is literally on my wall in oh, front wow. of me 24 hours a day. It is on my wall. I believe it. I, I live it. Ikigai is up there on my wall. And so is another diagram, which a bunch of people have probably seen on LinkedIn. It's what I can control and what I cannot control. Yeah. So, so I, and my team knows this. I won't talk about stuff if I don't walk the talk. There it is. What yeah. I control and what I can't control. And I've actually circled the stuff, which are the four things that I talked about. The mm -hmm. other ones are descriptors of them, but it is, it is what it is. And if you start doing this every day, as a practice, you start getting balanced. The people around you start getting balanced. Your team starts getting balanced. And, and you know, here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not saying that this is going to change your world or something like that. But if you control those four elements, your thoughts, emotions, actions, right, and your energy, and things don't change in your current state with regards to work and, and growth, then you know that it's time for a change because you've done everything within your control, right? You've tried, you've put the right emotions in, you've put the right energy in, you've done the right things to be positive, to say positive, to stay positive, and no one's listening. Well, time out. Let's go. Find something else. You, that's not the place for you. And so these tools allow you to have that sort of acknowledgement by looking in the mirror and saying, what am I doing? Not what somebody else is. What am I doing? Does that help, Pablo? So, so let me ask yeah. you this. In, in your background from your day-to-day, yeah. -day, can you pinpoint parts, points in your profession where you were faced with this and didn't have a set of tools like this to make sense? A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. This puts me straight into my previous career, right? Like I, I, the first 15 years of my career were, were in the construction industry and I, I had multiple iterations from it, right? Like I went from managing a PL division of Orange County for a Fortune 500 kind of like division of a national subcontractor. Then I started my own kind of group. Then I thought at that point, what I needed was to pull on my red thread, right? So like, I didn't like operations of how to build a house. But then I found that sustainable construction was something that I really liked. And I'm, I've always been into sustainability. So I thought that that would align me with a red thread. 
So I got into that field, started my own consulting industry, started my own consulting company around that. And then I went in-house for my biggest client. And once they got acquired, you know, I for a, for a second there, I had the Ikigai. I had the free will because I got brought in to like establish this division inside of the company. I, you know, didn't necessarily have a hierarchy, but I wasn't really looking for it immediately, right? Like mm-hmm. I was just kind of like doing my own thing inside of it and maybe I lacked some incentives, right? But at that time, I was happy to just get some stability behind me. And it was really short-lived because once that company got acquired and the sustainability stuff that I thought was interesting then got de-incentivized, right? And I got incentivized to do other things. The free will got taken away, right? Like the idea of like, no, you've already created this department. So now we need you to go do that thing that I didn't want to do. There was no hierarchy per se, but there also wasn't any improvement plan that I could, you know, there was next. And then my incentives were, and then my my incentives just became completely misaligned, right? Like I, I, it was, it was about preserving this other status quo of stuff that didn't really tie into the thing that I got brought in. And that's when I started just like losing my mind and had to figure out something else. Right. So like, I think it's, I think you're exactly right there on, on, on being there as a professional. And my answer has always, my answer both times that I've kind of faced this issue has been to go out on my own. I wonder if that's a personality type V or, you know, is, are there, are there people out there that don't, that don't then just take such a drastic move by me? Like what I did actually, you know what? It wasn't both times to go out on my own. The second time, what I did was really evangelize the things that were my icky guy and just kind of like put that out there as much as possible. And eventually I found somebody that was like, I like what you're talking about. I'm going to build out this thing. I think I can need you on board. And then I was able to go partner into something, right? So like my right. answer has always essentially been to take that icky guy thing and, and produce kind of like a framework around it and then just go talk about how everybody needs to be doing that. And it has generally opened up a spot for me somewhere else that all this stuff became aligned. But I wonder from your you know, from your experience of coaching people and helping people out across the spectrum, what are the other ways that people do this? Is it work on your resume? Is it build a coalition inside your business? Have you have you seen anybody that's been able to like apply this stuff and then go stay in the place that they're in? And yeah, from- absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent, right? So these are tools, and I think what I would say is the way I used it and the way I I advise my friends and and others who I've talked to to use it is you have to have your own answers to these four things. So you got to have your answer to Ikigai. You got to do that introspection and have, it doesn't have to be, I want to be X, like so concrete, but it has to be conceptual where you know what's in the middle of that flower, the diagram you showed. When it comes to free will, you have to understand where you are in terms of your thoughts. Are you in a good place or are you just so miserable that everything you look at right now is shaded? Like you just look for the bad things and things, you know, that's a mindset. So you have to understand, are you emotionally balanced? Are your thoughts okay? Are your, what are your actions like? You got to have an answer to the rule-based system. Some people love rule-based systems, right? When you say, is there a personality type? Entrepreneurs, by definition, are anti-rule-based system people. They like to be free will. 
right? By nature, they want to create. But there are, but that's a risk tolerance, and there are other things that play into it. Some people like to be part of a structure. They like to be part of a process. There's nothing wrong. I'm not portraying it as a good or bad, right? I'm just portraying it as this is something that is. It's about knowing who you are in context of that. And then same thing with incentivize. People automatically think about promotions and money because that's what the system has conditioned us to do. I know a lot of people who work because of the personal growth or the friendships that they've built and preserving those friendships. The money becomes secondary. So for some people, the title doesn't even matter anymore. It's not about the trophies or the recognition plaques or anything like that. They just want the experience. That's the incentive. So you as an individual could use these four to figure out what is your recipe and then go find the right place for it. And it could be in the company you work in. It could very well be there. You just haven't aligned your four answers with what the company provides, Mm -hmm. right? So so my point is not your miserable leave. It's wrong with them. My point is if you're not feeling 100% balanced, figure out where in these quadrants is the imbalance and then take control with the four things you control and look for solutions, right? So that's kind of how I've used it. It's transformed my life for a fact. I can tell you that. It's transformed the lives of those around me that I've actually seen them use this. We implement this at Covey Group day in, day out. And if you're on LinkedIn and you see some of the posts from the folks at Covey Group, I would say that it's impacting their lives the same way. Some of our clients, and when I say clients, I mean individuals, the managers who we work with, the directors, the VPs, and the executives of the companies we work with, they've implemented this or portions of it. So I've seen it work. And V, I can't help but listen to you talking about this stuff and thinking that there is some way of, you know, my I'm a marketer. I'm a, I, I can't turn off that brain, right? So like in, in my head, I'm just like, man, if I was V, I would be creating the, you know, that, that plot coordinate branded Kavi group kind of like thing that I can mail to people or I can share with people that becomes something that I can chart myself on daily and be sending them kind of just, just grow your email list by sharing that thing and sharing like weekly or daily or monthly practices around it. And that would be such a great way of you know, anybody that's in that sphere that thinks like this would totally want to work with you as the coffee group or, you know, like, I like, like, I, I just see like, this is the perfect kind of like lead magnet material of ways that you can grow a list and nurture people that is super value add and relationship driven, yeah. like the stuff that we preach. Have you guys, have you guys ever thought about operationalizing? Look, at this, like look at this, Pablo. We're, we're like going back and forth here. So four days ago, last week, yeah. if you go on my LinkedIn profile, I had yeah. a post exactly on this, and that's where this image is. So my my holiday gift to all of your audiences, if you're on LinkedIn, go to my profile, look for my post from last week. This image is on there. You don't even have to draw your own. Just print, print. it out, put on a piece of paper just like this, do your notes, and, and then ping me on LinkedIn and say, hey, V, do you have 20 minutes, 30 minutes? I want to chat with you. I did my balance exercise and I just want to bounce some ideas. So yes, you found it. Stacy found it. Awesome. Yeah, share it, Stacy. Share the link in the chat. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so it's it's on my LinkedIn profile. And that's my gift. As we go into 2023, we're going to do, I'm going to do more posts 
on this, really focused on it. This is this is going to be controversial. I don't actually, for a lot of times when I'm talking to my friends and, and folks, I don't charge for this. Like it's a labor of love because I just do it because I know how transformational it is. When we have to do this for a client, like a company where they're trying to implement it into their way of thinking and stuff, then yes, it's a it's a paid engagement. But on an individual basis, I love being a chief yogi, right? I, I love it. That that's that's what gives me, that's my ikigai. And so I'm happy to have conversations. I'm happy to extend my time to the extent that I can. I will do that without any, you know, I know some people come up to me, even at the business conference we were at, Pablo, and then, and then they were like, hey, what's your rate per hour? I'm like, that's not how I'm going to start this conversation. I don't care <laughs> about the money. You know, yeah. what is it you want to talk about? Let's make it meaningful. Let's make it mean something to you. Then we'll figure it out. If it's meaningless, I'm not, why would I even charge you anything? So, so honestly, this is not about growing my business or anything like that. I, I think this is about giving back at a time when we are going into wartime, at a time of very, very uncertain futures. People need something like this. They need a community to talk to and bounce ideas off of. And so for me, this is, this is a way of giving, right? as opposed to a way of making money off of it. I love it, man. I love it. Because our podcast listener, whoever she is, is is probably wondering what these images are we're talking about. We're going to link directly to that image in the podcast uh, awesome. show notes. That way they go to your profile, get straight to that image. Um, so it. Ryan, let's, let's, let's make note of that. As Ryan is inviting everybody up, B, this has been awesome, man. I've really enjoyed, I, you know, your your presentation at Jesse Lane's conference, which is where we met, immediately struck me as like, all right, I need to I need to become friends with this guy. And this is my trick, right? Like the way that I build relationships with people is that I bring them onto a stage and I showcase how smart they are, and then we get to be friends. So I'm really glad that we've gotten to to do this a couple of times. But you know, even 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 with the fact that I do this often, the things that you are bringing up to me are really represent the way that business needs to be done going forward, right? Like you, you to me represent this amazing intersection of proven strategist for amazing companies that knows how to navigate this future of power with, right? Like I, I, I very much believe that we've shifted very recently from a power over kind of like culture and how the world moves to a power with move of figuring out how you get other people to succeed in this abundance mindset and in mm-hmm. doing this. And the fact that you are sharing all this stuff is just like, and the success that you have with it, it's just this like extreme validation of the hope that I hope to see within corporations and within businessmen. So um, it's just been a real, real pleasure to do this two-part series with you. I'm sure we're going to do more next year, but thank you for making time and, and doing all of this, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thank you to the audience for listening to me. You know, at least somebody gets to listen to me. And, and that that sounds, that feels great. That's my, that's my incentive and reward. This is my reward. So I, I truly appreciate the opportunity. Love it, man. Love it. There you go. The guy's so good. We had to bring it back just three episodes later. If you haven't listened to V's first episode, episode 203, 
building a wartime strategic plan for 2023, I highly, highly recommend you go back and check it out. And apart from that, you know, just, uh, I really appreciate it. If you listen to both of them with him, uh, reach out to him on LinkedIn, right? Let him know that you heard him here on the B2B Community Builder Show. I know that he really takes seriously how much uh, effort he put into getting better at this thing and, and progressing through. And he's just a really great guy. So look him up on LinkedIn. We're going to link that in the show notes, go in there and, uh, send him a note. And apart from that, I would love to thank my team for an awesome 2022. First, I got to thank Rowan, who is in charge of me, <laughs> right? She's my account manager and she makes sure that I do all the things that I need to be doing. Uh, uh, and beyond, second to that, I got to thank Gina, who really is the chief heart officer of Be The Stage. She's the queen of our culture. She's the reason why we have such a great team and uh, why the team at the end of the year was just so obviously uh, happy with the work that they do. I really take that seriously. I got to thank uh, Marge, who is her right hand and is the reason why Gina is able to operate at the level that she does and is helping me out in a ton of things. Uh, I got to thank JP, employee number one, the guy that is responsible for making everything cool. He is our creative director. He's the guy that picks out the clips and does all the design and all this stuff. And we've been working with together now for a while. Gotta thank Joanna and Joyce, our other account managers who take care of our clients and executing their strategies. Rita, our content strategist, who has been uh, one of the bright spots in my 2022, getting to grow and learn and uh, manage her directly and teach her kind of like my ways because she's so talented and, uh, and bright. Uh, I want to thank Philippe, newest member of our team, who is supporting JP with the video editing, the graphic design, and of course, my mentee, Nicola, who I've been uh, mentoring since he's 13, and I met him on a podcast. He does our writing. He's turning into a monster writer, and you're going to see a lot from him coming up this year. And that's it. It's been an amazing 2022, maybe the hardest year of my life, but full of great lessons and growth, and I really think I'm the best version of myself, and I'm just really, really grateful that you've been along for the ride, so... As you know, I'll leave you with the one thing I believe the most, and that is you should value relationships over transactions. Hope you have the best year of your life in 2023.